Everyone's talking about Barbie, the glamorous fashion model doll by Mattel. And now Barbie tells her own romantic story on record. Six terrific teenage tunes in a story-filled album called Barbie Sings. All about her first date, her first formal, her dreams. I never bothered with romance or gave any boy a second glance and then I met Ken. I had no use for mushy words. I thought holding hands was for the birds and then I met Ken. Believe he's walking me home from school And the girls all stay He isn't really there But what do I care I'm walking on air Cause I can't forget the day That I met him at the baseball game He made a home run with my heart Now I'll never be same. And even though he doesn't know I picked him to be my just wait till we meet again I'll be so tender that he'll surrender I've got a yen for What do I care? I'm walking on air Cause I can't forget the day that I met him At the baseball game He made a home run with my heart Now I'll never be the same And even though he doesn't know I picked him to be my Romeo Just wait till we meet He'll surrender I've got a yen For Ken I've won already We're going steady I've got a yen For Ken when you thought you couldn't get enough of Barbie. There's a little bit more for you. And you heard it here only on the Brit Summers Show on Skyhawk Radio, iTunes, Amazon Music, Patreon, SoFlo Channel, Acast, Radio Public, Listen Newts, Zencaster, Substack, and Pocket Cast, which is all new just for you. Now, that was suggested to me by a cartoon expert. Not that that was a cartoon, but that was a record you could get with the, the doll. Or you had to order it separately or something <clears throat> from Mattel. It was like $3. But he has a book coming out. Because <clears throat> we were talking, and I mentioned that I saw Barbie over the weekend. Finally, I got to see Barbie. 
Uh, did you like? Wait, wait. Did you like it? Yes, I did. And uh, I, as expected, I, I liked it a lot. I don't think they could have done an, uh, uh, any better at it than what they did. The script was right. She was perfect. Uh, well, she is perfect. And he, as, when I thought they, they, when they casted him, I thought he looked a little bit old to play Ken. But now I see why they cast him in that. <clears throat> He's a good comic actor. Uh, lots of comedy in that movie and a lot of social commentary. But, but very, very well balanced where nobody can get annoyed. With, well, Republicans get annoyed at everything. They're humorless slugs. So that's why they didn't like it. And it made Republican men look bad. Ooh, it made them look really bad and smelly too. But what a, what a good movie. It was worth it if it made over $2 billion. Okay, you're going to make movies that good. You know what was great about it, most of all, was that it wasn't one of the uh, comic book movies, which I really, in 2008, I liked them. Oh, yeah. When, when, uh, the first one, Iron Man with uh, Robert Downey Jr. The first Avengers movie was very good. Really good. Saw it twice. And then the second one was like, uh, yeah, okay. And then the third one was like, that's, oh, it's all right. And then uh, the fourth one was like, that's enough. It's enough. And then they had the fifth one, the sixth one, the seventh one. And then Disney bought it, and you have to, you have to buy their channel to watch any of them, which I don't have. And I don't care. And another thing I don't care about is the GOP debate. Did you see it? Because uh, I didn't, and I'll tell you why. I don't care about those drooling knuckle-draggers. I, I really don't care what they have to say. They're, they're not gonna, my time's expensive, and I'm not going to give it to them. No. No, I will not. But we've got more uh, on that uh, 1961 <laughs> Barbie, which is pretty interesting. You know, uh, Mattel launched Barbie in 59. It kind of took off. I watched the history of it, and it kind of took off, and it was a slow, slow takeoff, because a doll's a doll's a doll, and they had dolls. So they had to create a, uh, you know, a whole uh, thing for it, and they did, and, and, and it took off, started making money, and then they, I think they introduced Ken like a year later. And this album, by the way, this, this Barbie album from 1961, well, it's actually, <clears throat> what is it, Two, it's 345s with, uh, it, or EPs back then. It was like a, a booklet album, you can, I guess you could say. Yeah, you know, when I heard the first piece of it, I just got a sample of it. I'm like, that's good. That's really good. And when I heard the one I got online, which you can get too, just type in, uh, just search on uh, Barbie 1961, and you'll get the Barbie album. And it's a really good album. What I really like about it is it's expensive. They dumped a lot of change into that uh, album with an 18-piece orchestra. And by the way, Charlotte Austin is the singer. She's singing uh, as Barbie. And you've seen, a very attractive woman. She sounds as good as she looks. You've seen her in a million things on 60s television. And then she did the right thing and quit the business and got the hell out. Uh, Bill Cunningham's the guy singing, he's Ken. It's the Daniel Darby Orchestra. I have one special favorite dream, as most folks do. I turn out the light. And most every night, my favorite dream comes true. I dream of 
very first And I feel so light I could dance all night Never touching the floor I dream That I'm staying out late And the boys all sigh As I'm dancing by With the one I adore Then it's midnight And like poor Cinderella My dream castles fall After midnight It's just me and my pillow Remembering it all Someday I'll be there, really there, wide awake on my very first day. I the show uh i'm gonna have a maybe a screw off uh show this week uh, you know what because i got a feeling that this is one of the slower news weeks with what we saw uh, uh the orange disease uh, buying a gun in front of the world for all the world to see breaking laws all kinds of laws now when, when you're out on bail you can't buy a gun can you but the, the laws don't apply to this guy, this orange fucker. They, they just, they won't do anything to this guy. And then uh, the uh, news, I gotta say this. And then we'll get back to playtime. I gotta say this. Our, we can't complain about our uh, cable news services because we don't have any. All right? The reason we don't have any is they're repeating it they might as well just roll tape from 2015 and 2016 just roll tape and go home because they're doing exactly the same thing they're doing that same thing just 
I'm sure they have the archive tapes from back then. Just put them on, and everybody could take a nice, uh, I don't know, year vacation. Just go to fuck home. You know, uh, there's more Trump. Remember I told you last week, it was like 10% of Biden, and the rest is Trump. Yeah, everything. And he knows it, and he's taking full advantage of it, and the press is so fucking stupid. Uh, when Biden uh, joined the uh, auto workers' strike, I know that was uh, kind of a show and everything, but, you know, he, he's done a lot for unions. This is the only president who, since uh, uh, FDR, that has done things for unions. <clears throat> he's very pro-union, Biden. And uh, so he did that, uh, you know, uh, protest thing and made a nice, spe- good speech. And uh, and then, not to be shown up, uh, Trump had to copycat him and, and so he could get all the attention. And he did! He got all the attention from Biden. You could turn the TV on right now, and what you're going to see is uh, Biden showed up at the auto worker strike and made a speech. But Trump bought a gun, and then he, he had his own, and they had a rally, and all this, and oh, Trump did that, and Trump did that, and Biden did this and that. They they, they won't show, they show like a little bit of Biden, just a little drop, and Trump the rest of the night, or, or the rest of the day. They can't get, their, they can't take their eyes off that shithead. <laughs> And they're doing it over and over and over and over. It's just like the 2015. Now, I'm going to have to research because I didn't have time yet this week. But I'm going to have to go back to my shows from 2015 and 2016. I'm probably saying exactly what I said back then. All you see is Trump and Trump and Trump and Trump, 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 Trump. Nothing else. Oh, a little bit of Biden. Oh, yeah. Here's a reminder. Joe Biden's our president. But Trump, oh, what did he do now? He broke another law. Yay! I am above the law! Oh. Now, on a sad note, uh, David McCallum died. He was 180, 190 years old. You know, he was flat 90 years old. David McCallum, Ilya Kuryakin, uh, the man from Uncle. And he was a, a really nice guy. He was on the... Uh, Frank Santopadre and Gilbert Gottfried uh, podcast uh, just a few years ago. <clears throat> and we're a real sweet guy. And when he was a teenage heartthrob, boom, 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 he said he didn't understand why. <laughs> well, it might have something to do with he had kind of a Beatle haircut, and it was 1965 when the British invasion was going on, so he kind of like fell into that wave. Uh, I think that was something that had this do with it. But yeah, Man From U.N.C.L.E. started out pretty good, and then it got really stupid in the last season. Here's the cliches, my favorite version.
Cliff Shays on the Brit Summer Show. Bubbling under at number 84. And it's going to rise up uh, next week to about uh, number 87, <laughs> which is what it did on the charts originally. Uh, when I mentioned earlier about going through my uh, archives to 2015 to see what uh, I was saying about Trump, <laughs> I know I have better ones, but this is just a cursory search. This is what I found. And, and by the way, when you hear this, Everybody who says, gee, you're sounding pretty good these days. I miss my voice. And speaking of bimbos, Megan Kelly. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't want to get into the, the Trump thing. You've heard enough about it. He's got wall-to-wall coverage on every so-called news channel on cable and the three majors. So if you get up in the morning after you have your coffee and you go to the bathroom, you just might see Donald Trump standing there, which is why I'm going to call this particular show. Who knows what's going to happen next week? But for now, we have the Trump free zone. That's right, because believe it or not, corporate media, uh, there are other things going on. So now you can see this was steeped in history. I'm the only one ever saying this, too. Doing it again. And you know what that means. Because when when the average citizen just listens to it and just sees it on TV or whatever it is, it's it's just registered in the back of their mind. They don't follow politics, but the names are registered in the back of their minds. So when they look at the ballot and they see the name there, I'm talking about just the average citizen that doesn't pay attention to any politics at all. They go by what they, 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 the name. It's usually how all it is. And they don't find uh, politics is boring. You know, when you hear that one, you don't follow politics. Politics is boring. They're all the same. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, well, that's who uh, the cable news directors are, are, are trying to appeal to. The brainless ones. The misled ones, the ones who don't care. And they just see a name sitting there on a piece of paper. So whatever registers to them, it's going to be Trump right off the bat. Just a psychological thing. I don't know what you would call it, Pavlov's dog or something. But it's Trump, Trump, Trumpity, Trump, 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 over and over and over and fucking over again. Just uh, this afternoon, they were showing a Hakeem Jeffrey speech uh, on a split screen. About about the budget, and and then and the other part of the split screen was Trump. Was no sound, but uh, you know, there's a punditry talking over it, and there's Trump, hucking a China with whatever he had to say. Uh, we know who he looks like. We know who it is. Nobody knows who Hakeem Jeffries is, <clears throat> unless you pay attention to politics. But it's not exactly a household word yet. And uh, he's he's centrist, but he's very very good. I'm going to put uh, all of that uh, hubbub and dread to the side for now because uh, uh, a portion of this program has uh, uh, something I never got to do. Uh, bring up the mailbag, the Brit Summers mailbag, and uh, go over uh, some of the uh, emails that I get. Some of them are pretty old. I got one of these came when I was in the hospital. And uh, forgive me if I didn't get on, uh, I started answering them right away, but uh, I'm going to do that now. So if you write me at the Brit Summers Show at gmail.com, that's, that's one T and one M, the Brit Summers Show. 
See, I can't eat my M. I can't do it. I, and I used to be able to do it with my old voice. What I mean is eating my M is <laughs> a voiceover trick. When you get to M, you have different uh, pronunciations for the letters in the alphabet. So <clears throat> when you get to M, you got to extend it. M. <clears throat> I can't do it anymore. <laughs> M. Uh, and I'll tell you this. Uh, it's about 10 years ago now. You know, I lost out on being the voice of the Tom Hartman show. Yes, I had an opportunity back then to do his uh, outros and his intros and his bumpers. Uh, and and uh, it was, they were really nice about it. I, I sent, in, uh, my, uh, sent in my audition. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't eat my M's. M. Uh, but the other guy who got it, it was between me. And this other guy, who I don't know who it is, but he did a good job. And it was Tom's wife who was making the final decision on who would voice uh, his show. And uh, the other guy, and this is the way I heard it, too, because I I knew who the producer was at the time. Uh, They're gone now, so I don't know who's running the show. But at the time, he said, Louise was going back and forth on it. You and the other guy. He mentioned his name, but uh, I forgot what it was. When it came to you, she went, that's good, that's good. And when she went to the other guy, it was like, it's him, him. And I know why now, because he ate ate his M. I didn't eat my M. I should have ate, I should have eaten my M, M. But he eats the N, it doesn't matter. It could be M or N, voiceover stuff. And he, and now, back to Tom Hartman. I can't, I can't. Because I've been sick, I can't do it no more. But, yeah, I had a real chance to do that. And it didn't pay much. I, I probably paid probably about three or 400 bucks. But it would have been nice to have my, my uh, signature on, on, on the Tom Hartman show. Uh, but, okay. No, no, the other guy was good. You see, I, I don't mind losing to someone who's better than me. To someone who's actually well-trained and skilled and good. That's fine by me. I'm a good sport. It's when some who, someone is an asshole and untalented and can't, uh, can't sing, and I lose to that person, that pisses me off. But anyway, getting back to the... <clears throat> and I don't have a special open for this one yet. I just thought it crossed my mind. The Brit Summers Mailbag. And uh, I'm going to start off with uh, Richard. Subject is Phil Collins' parody called Raking in the Dough. Uh, and uh, he said, uh, I love your work. I didn't know if you did that one or not. Uh, and Neil will live forever. Yes, he will. Neil will live forever. Neil, God. But uh, no, I'm sorry, Richard, that was not me. And I don't even remember the bit, raking in the dough. Dough. The only uh, Phil Collins bit I remember is when... Uh, Mo Howard had to <laughs> was asked to leave the building at WQAM, and he did. And I did this thing. No more, no more, no more, no more. But other than that, that was about all the Phil Collins stuff I had ever did. But now we got one from Tyler, who he's been listening to my show uh, since it started, which is uh, oh, twelve years ago. It's going to go on about 13 years ago. Yeah, long time. And 
Tyler says, the funniest bit you ever recorded was the homeless Umpaz bit from around 2001 or so. What was that song about? He wants to know, uh, okay, it was pretty self-explanatory. I originally thought it had something to do with the Oompa Loompa actors 30 years after the movie, but no, uh, now that I think about it, it was something else. What was it about? It's awesome, whatever it is. Okay, here's what it was. And it's, it's just as well I tell you as I explain it to the audience, because it makes no <laughs> sense outside of that. Uh, th- there was, uh, and, and I'm certain that everybody listening, uh, at least in this country, has experienced bums walk. When, you, when you're at a uh, traffic stop, the bums walk up to your car. They rush your car with a bucket or a bag or whatever it is. And you're like, uh, you're, you're hostage. You, know, you can't go anywhere uh, unless you roll your window up tight and lock it. And they beg for money from you. And here's the thing. I, I don't mind uh, giving a, a, out like a, a nickel or a, a quarter or a dollar or whatever it is if I have it. But these particular homeless people were not homeless, you see. This is back, jeez, uh, 30 years ago because they were around a while. And it was a uh, newspaper publication. It came out of Orlando, and I can't remember the guy's name. It'll come to me. And he, it, they were working for him. They weren't out of work. They, they lived. They, he bought places for them to stay. And uh, they weren't exactly homeless. But their job was to sell uh, subscriptions to this paper. They'd, they'd come up to you with these this armful of newspapers. It was, it was a little one. And if you bought the paper, of course, they wanted you to subscribe inside the newspaper. And then in return for their hard work all day, sitting in the sun, getting a sunstroke, they'd get a can of peas. Uh, but they, they'd have a place to go after that. That was the bargain. You do this, and then you get in the street, and then you hustle for uh, subscriptions. Because, uh, man, it used to be really bad here. It's not so bad anymore. I think we got actual genuine homeless people now, it seems to me. But these, these weren't. And what <laughs> they would wear orange shirts. Every, you knew it was them because they had these bright, psychedelic, fluorescent orange shirts for the homeless journal i think it was called and again the scammer that was doing this whole thing it's on the tip of my tongue and i can't remember maybe it'll be mentioned in one of the bits i don't know but to answer your question or to explain the bits once again you you'd pull up to the intersection at a red light and all of these orange shirts would descend upon you at the time and many of the uh city commissions or whatever it was uh, banned them from coming in. But what happened is they all they did was they changed their shirts to yellow and then they were all wearing yellow shirts and then I did a bit after that. Oompa Loompa Oompa Dee Doo We want to sell a newspaper to you Oompa Loompa Oompa Fart and Squirt We're the homeless men in the orange shirts My name is Number 73 I use the side of your house to pee. I am number 72. My shiny pants smell like doo-doo. Please don't roll your window up. Oopa loopa hoopa dee dar. We annoy drivers in their cars. When you're stuck at the traffic light, we will converge for your quarters and dimes. Standing all day in the Berlin heat. In the middle of the busy street. When we tap on the window, they usually say, Get the hell away, you stink! 
Oi, vei! Try not to run over me. Oompa Loompa, Oompa Dee Doo, we have much to offer you. Wash your windshield, work for food. How about a flower from some young moon? We're quite used to smelling this way. Only take a shower when it rains. When the hot pavement melts my shoes, I use my sock to brush my tooth. I wipe on a corn cob. Oompa Loompa Oompa Dee Dee, proceeds go to the company. In return for what we do, we get a bigger box and a bottle of booze. A cardboard box and a bottle of booze. Eugene, dinner time! Oh no, another night of cheap Italian food in a can. Yo, 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 man, check it out. Who are you? It's me, Homeboy R.D. What? Yo, man, toss out your SkettyOs and get down with some Homeboy R.D. Sketty hoes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got a can opener? Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> yo, man, and Homeboy R.D. got all kinds of stuff, and it's all made homie style. Oh, boy. It's Homeboy R.D. And ain't no little service, neither. You can feed the whole crew with our all-new gang size can. Well, gee, that's large. <laughs> Come on, man. Get with the plan. And get the food in the can that tastes like the food in the can. Homeboy R.D. Drive by and pick some off. Ah, the shelf. Transforming radio for the better. It's the Brit Summers Show. At the light you can see us coming With an empty pail looking for money When the light turns red we linger With drivers who give us the finger We're the homeless men in yellow We smell like crap and tap on your window it's Britney Summers. Talk radio with balls and big ones too. She's unforgettable. Ooh, ain't got no old. I know Blade Ramon Ain't got no home I know face wrong I'm a lonely boy I ain't got a home I got a voice I love to sing I sing like a girl And I sing like a frog I'm a lonely boy I ain't got a home
Clarence Frogman Henry. And you know, that was a raw jam, as the story has it. After the nightclub closed in New Orleans, the band still wanted to play, so they were jamming, and they asked Clarence to uh, mouth some lyrics, and that's what came out. That was just a raw jam. That's the Brit Summer Show. I hope that answered uh, most of your questions. <laughs> the only one, actually. Uh, and if you have any more, again, write me at the Brit 1T Summers 1M show at gmail.com and we'll have a a, a mailbag every now and then and uh, i'll get to answer your questions live and on the air and while i'm at it i should thank uh, all the people that have uh, contributed and donated and hit the donate button on the britsummershow.com that is once again i'll say it again the britsummershow.com and uh the donate button's right there for all all of you to see and uh, click on that, and uh, I thank you in advance if you haven't yet. If you haven't already, if you have, uh, I thank you from the bottom of my head. And, uh, of course, there's one special sponsor that's been with me the entire time, the underwriter of this show, Ernie! We love you! He hasn't gave up on me. Thank you, Ernie. <laughs> and I won't give up on you. We got through that rather fast now, didn't we? Usually that comes at the... Okay, whatever. So I I wanted to get to this. Now, this is interesting because uh, I think uh, we're all in the same demographic, age-wise. Of course, I never give my real age on the air because I'm I'm a vain uh, idiot. But hey, whatever. And I really wasn't of age. I I enjoyed... Okay, it's hard to say. We had uh, three... Heartbreaking assassinations in the 1960s, heartbreaking, <clears throat> and, and 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 riots in Vietnam, losing all lives in Vietnam. It was uh, there were so, and it's funny. For, for the needle went all the way to the left for bad things that happened, and for happy things that happened in the 1960s, the needle went all the way to the right. So I, I had a tendency to always go to the needle on the right, where where you know the fun was was at, and. I've said this before, especially with Florida going and uh, eventually, along with Texas, uh, becoming a, um, a fascist state, a genuine fascist state. <clears throat> That's not a joke. Pardon me, but my, my voice is going again. See, when I start talking long. Anyway, in the 1960s, there were fun things to do. Lots of fun things. The cars were uh, the really wild and fun to drive. Uh, the music was the best and it's never been topped since. Uh, and it lasted somewhere in the 60s. Uh, I would say uh, uh, disco buried it a little bit, but it came back, and it came back as uh, punk, and it wasn't, and it wasn't bad. The garage band sound came back, and it was, it, it was fun. And, uh, and oh, oh, let me fix this here a minute. Okay, so anyway, yeah. So, and, and you know, cartoons, we, you know, we... You didn't have to go to a special channel for it. It was on every Saturday morning. Uh, it was just growing up as a kid in the 1960s when you're when you're blissfully unaware and you're not really a news junkie, you know, a political nerd following everything that's going on. You, you just when you're just a happy-go-lucky kid growing up in the 1960s, um, you have a tendency to go towards the fun stuff. Now, as I said to my audience uh, a lot of times back then. Uh, okay, well, that sliver of Florida on the east coast of Florida, Miami Beach, 
and parts west, just parts, from uh, Palm Beach, uh, Fort Lauderdale, down to Miami Beach. Those three places, and a little bit uh, west of there, because well, nothing was built. Remember, Florida wasn't built until after the war, the World War II. It was the 1950s when Florida really started to, uh, they were building, you know, developers were all over the place like bugs. And uh, so it really, uh, we have a very short history. This is, Florida is a ra- relatively young place. South Florida is anyway. North Florida is very old. Old uh, Southern, uh, we got slaves and look, we're giving them job training type thing. That, that's North Florida. We're giving them job training because we're teaching them how to tie themselves on a pole so we could set them on fire tonight. Yeah, that's job training, right? Right, DeSantis, the Schittler. Anyway, uh, back back then it was fun. My, Miami Beach was a swinging adult town, and uh, the likes of Sinatra and uh, the rest of the Rat Pack, and uh, and all them would, would come to Miami Beach. I, I don't know why. Uh, maybe to I mean they still have pictures of Sinatra on the beach, but he's in a suit surrounded by his his guys. <laughs> if that's how they go to the beach, I don't know. But the, Vegas was there to hang out. I don't know why they would come to Miami unless they got different women here or had other <clears throat> business to do. But the, yeah, they came here. Gleason came here. Uh, it was a it was a top uh, rockin' town at one time. Uh, we had uh, all the music. The uh, top bands would come here. Uh, unfortunately, it was a sportatorium. Which, that's a whole nother show. Uh, a lot of them went to the Miami Beach Stadium or, or the Orange Bowl. Uh, anyway, uh, but locally, we had uh, nightclubs here. And in the late 60s, it was called Psychedelic Rock. And uh, <clears throat> although it's mild by today's standards, it was very underground stuff, okay? And uh, remember, I, I was a kid. I, I could not go to these places, although I was aware of them, uh, because uh, the radio ads, I hear radio commercials about this place, about several places. And one of the uh, places they had uh, commercials for was The Image. Uh, on, we used to hear it on WQAM and WFUN down here uh, growing up. Yeah, The Image. And it was a, uh, and I think it was North Dade. It was on Collins Avenue or Sunny. I'm going to get to that. Um, <laughs> but here, there's, I'm learning something here. I didn't know this. And they're advertising on the airwaves. Uh, and it, we knew it was a psychedelic club and all the bands that I liked as a kid were going there, but I couldn't go cause I was a child, but I, I was digging it and you could hear the answer. This, it was called the image. And then there was another one called the place, you know, come on down to the place and, uh, and their house band, each one of these places had a house band, come on down to the place and see the Queens kids. That was the house band, the Queens kids. I have no idea who they were, but we, we heard about them a lot on the commercials on the radio. And on March 15th, 1968, a nondescript edifice on Collins Avenue in Sunny Isles Beach completed a momentous transformation. It was on that warm and breezy evening that former 32-lane Sunny Isles Bowling Center reemerged as the Image Club. And imagine that, as a bowling center, so it must have been pretty big. The rock music venue, complete with a blacklight room, a meditation room, and three stages, man. Whoa! I didn't know this. <laughs> and on one of those stages, this is when they opened up, 
stood Frank Zappa and his California-based avant-garde band, the Mothers of Invention. They came uh, to town for a two-night stint in support of their newly released third album, We're Only In It For The Money, to christen Miami's newest and biggest nightclub, that's pretty big, a bowling alley, devoted to the emerging genre of psychedelic rock. All right. And shit, I missed out on that. At the time, local radio was dominated by pop, and R&B, which meant the owners of THE Image had their work cut out for them. And perhaps not surprisingly, THE Image's chapter in the annals of music history turned out to be a short one. (laughs) Still in its 13 months of existence, the venue served as a home base where one could groove to psych rock sounds that were exploding across the country courtesy of acts like Zappa's, not to mention The Doors, Grateful Dead, and Led Zeppelin. Things were going on in 1968. While the scene flourished in cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, London, and Paris, Miami had only a brief shining flicker in the orange sunshine, the the dimming of which roughly corresponded to the night of March 1969 when Drunken Doors frontman Jim Morrison infamously exposed himself, uh, and I don't believe that he did, in front of 12,000 fans at Dinner Key Auditorium in Coconut Grove. At any rate, what is now the sterile Publix... (laughs) It's a Publix now. Wee, that's fun. It's a, shopping is a pleasure there. Uh, surrounded by a canyon of condos, which was once a, an escape to a music realm, where on any given night, 1,500 heads could blissfully turn on, tune in, and if they were so inclined, drop out. The scene emerges. Mike Pinara, not of Pinara's bread, but Mike Pinara, Tampa-born co-founder of the 60s psych rock band Blues Image, remembers the image, all too well. We came from Tampa where we were number one band there. Everyone said you should go to Miami. They'd understand you more. Panera tells New Times from uh, his home in Southern California. By the way, this article's from New Times. <sighs> New Times, man. Oh, the subsidiary of, of the Miami Herald used to be, anyway. We were playing a lot more British blues, like uh, the Yardbirds. Uh, we had congas. Uh, we had a novel set up with two drummers to make the music sound really big, like a freight train. Blues Image often played at uh, venues like The World at Northeast 150th Street. I don't remember The World. And uh, Biscayne Boulevard, a massive warehouse nearly the size of an airplane hangar, <laughs> was equipped with a stage at each end and had an enormous capacity. I don't remember that. The World. Come to The World, man, and see the house band, The Queen's Kids. <laughs> that one got by me. We drew huge crowds because no one else in Miami was playing what we played. People started telling us we should have our own place. When the 32-lane bowling alley was up for release, a group of investors reached out to Panera to ask Blue's Image to be the house band at THE Image. Panera goes on, we had hippie friends who were uh, contractors that took out all the bowling lanes and made it into a concrete floor, he recounts. I knew Frank Barcelona from Premier Talent Agency, who managed all the psychedelic bands. We found some backers who owned a suntan lotion company who put down a deposit to get the bands. For fans of classic rock, the bills at the uh, the Image were legendary. After the Mothers of Invention played the inaugural shows, the Love and Spoonful came to town, and uh, the Grateful Dead, Santana, The Doors, he said, you'd smoke some hash before Blue's Image played, and then they take you on a journey. Okay. 
along with the promise of playing a gig, the sunshine and beaches were enough to draw bands to the southern reaches of South Florida, with Panera often being your tour guide. One time, Spirit was in town. Randy wanted to go to, uh, oh, he wanted to go scuba diving, he says. We, we went 10 miles off the coast, and when we got back to the surface, his boat was gone. The Coast Guard saved us. We were supposed to start a show at 8 that night. We got there late, but we had an excuse no one heard before. Our boat was stolen. Panera says the ambiance at the image was just as crucial as the soundtrack. We had a poster room filled with black lights, and we had another space called the meditation room. We couldn't serve alcohol, so we had ice cream drinks. Okay. Wait, I'm getting to the good part. Terry Weiss, who played keyboards with the Hialeah band Brimstone, remembers a different caliber of drink served at the image. They had a fruit punch stand, and one night they asked if I wanted regular or electric. I said, electric. And I spent the entire night picturing myself miniaturized, climbing up and down the spiral day-glow painted wall. We had to play that night, and I had to ask the next day if the electric fruit punch had LSD in it, right? And they went, yep. <laughs> Those were the fun party days. The National Acts, uh, the image books, pushed local bands to step up their, their game. Formed in 1964, the Echoes. Uh, this is interesting. The Echoes came up with the name because it could uh, echo any popular sound. It was a go-to backing band for any big act that came to town, Neil Diamond to Sonny and Cher. But by 1968, the band changed its name to simply Echo to reflect a growling psychedelic scene. So they were actually like uh, the uh, the Wrecking Crew uh, the uh, in, in, Miami, in Florida. But it was a time of love, peace, and brotherhood, Fideli says. Mike Panera would be out front helping us unload our equipment. One time we were warming up on stage. I started doing a blues progression. It piqued Mike's interest, and he got on stage and started jamming with me. Panera's band Blues Image gained a reputation of being to go note per for note with uh, Rock's Greatest Titans. Mike was the shit, Terry White says. He was my biggest inspiration since I was 13. Blues Images jams were amazing. You smoke some hash before they played and you go on a jury. Yeah, I already read that. Jam sessions would often bleed into the daytime at Lovins, a Reynolds Park in the mainland. Yeah, yeah. Across from, uh, yeah, that's where Rick Shaw had his TV show at Reynolds Park. The Rick Shaw TV show. The most notable of those transpired on Easter Sunday, 1968, when Blue's Image and the Grateful Dead and 3,000 spectators made national news when he took over the North Miami Beach Park. The flower children, male and female, wore their hair long, mostly uncombed. The Associated Press reported in 1968 when the happening began to drag. A six-man combo from San Francisco called the Grateful Dead climbed onto the makeshift stage and added cool sounds to the love-in. Weiss recollects another magical love-in at Reynolds Park when Brimstone performed. We, we were famous covering the Beatles' Hey Jude. Uh, okay, uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't have to keep reading it. Okay, we get it. It was, it was a groovy place to be, and everybody wanted to go. And I knew about it, but uh, I was just a little kid. On March 1st, 1969, The Image brought the doors to Miami. My then... The L.A.-based band was too big a draw for the confines of the former bowling alley, so the promoters booked the show at uh, Dinner Key Auditorium. A crowd of more than 6,000 people were expected to attend, with tickets priced at $6 in advance. Look at this. Tickets were priced to see the doors at $6. $7 at the door. 
six and seven dollars to see the doors. You know what it would be now? Five hundred, six hundred dollars. Well, Paul McCartney was down here. I think it was about twelve hundred. Uh, who, who else? Oh, oh Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen, the, uh, the the working man, friend of the working man, who's got your back. He, he charged uh, five thousand a ticket. Look at this, the Doors, legendary band, six and seven dollars. But this would turn out to be anything than just another rock concert at the former airplane hangar uh, for Pan Am. According to the Miami Herald, the concert was oversold with 10,000 bodies jammed into the auditorium and a thousand more outside and getting it. Jim Morrison was visibly intoxicated when he took the stage. When was he not? Things devolved from there. Morrison stopped and restarted mid-song, uh, alternately uh, slurring questions at the audience and screaming obscenities. But Fideli was 10 feet from the stage and he remembers the crowd ready to explode. Morrison told all the women to get up front. I was directly underneath the speakers, which were swaying back and forth, and the speakers back then were big. It was as big as a, a, a house. If the sound guy hadn't gone up to secure them, I wouldn't be here to talk about it. Finally, Morrison asked the audience, do you want to see my cock? And he, he proceeded to roll down his leather pants and simulate masturbation. To this day, <laughs> historians debate whether his, uh, yeah, you could do that, you can simulate it. Fans swore he didn't, but the authorities claimed otherwise. Okay. There was plenty of LSD around, but once the image closed, Miami's music changed. And this is why I'm coming to you. You're going to see why well, this is relevant to anything. Morrison eventually pled guilty. You know the rest of that story. The damage has been done, and the court of public opinion in Miami was turning against the psychedelic scene. Uh, conservative singer and Florida Citrus Commission spokeswoman Anita Bryant led a rally for decency at the Orange Bowl to protest uh, Morrison's vulgar behavior. Fucking Anita Bryant. Is she dead yet? Won't you die, Anita Bryant? Uh, no, she, she was anti, you know, first anti-gay leader, too. Uh, Anita Bryant was, uh, again, subculture. The image had to close because of her goody-goody march, Weiss says. I love Jim Morrison. He even got to know him a bit, but pulling him, that ended it. Uh, Panera said it was his own ambition that led to shuttering of the image. After a year in Miami, all these bands, especially our heroes, Eric Burden, Frank Zappa, uh, you're, you're too good to this. You need to go to Los Angeles. And we did. Blue's image was signed to Atlantic Records, uh, which the group soon produced the song you're hearing beneath me. Number four on Billboard's Top 100, although you'd find that hard to believe since you could, they played it over and over and over and over again back then. And why not? It was a great song. I'm sick of hearing it, but it's 
whether you're tired of hearing it or not, it's still a great song. Pinera later joined uh, but Iron Butterfly and Alice Cooper and uh, still plays gigs to this day. But back in Miami, Psych Rock, uh, that uh, faced a constant harassment. Uh, most of the other bands uh, from Miami ro- relocated to New York City in search of success. Uh, let's see, during uh, one of the auditions, Jan Berry of, of uh, Jan and Dean invited Fideli to collaborate on a new project, but Fideli wanted to keep his student status to avoid being drafted. Okay. He graduated from University of Miami in 72 and continues to gig five to six nights a week in South Florida. Weiss also managed to stay in the music industry and recently contributed music to the HBO series The Deuce, which I watched and wasn't very good. Uh, if he had one major regret, it is that Miami psychedelic scene burned out so fast. Had to be thousands of people down here in that scene. There was still plenty of LSD to go around, but once the image closed, Miami's music changed. And that was the end. If you wanted to listen to psychedelic music, you had to put on a record. Yes. I thought you'd find that interesting. I know I did. I didn't know it was that. <laughs> I was just giving LSD out left and right. You want regular or electric? Oh! Well, look at that. I'm running out of time, boys and girls, and uh, I didn't even get a chance to play more of the uh, Barbie. I got them. I'll play more as the show goes on. I'll, I'll, here, you know, I'm going to play one more before I go out. I'm going to give you one more Barbie song, and then we'll, we'll play them over and over again on the next show. Elizabeth Summer saying, here's my gift to you. Growing up means learning so many different things, like reading, writing, arithmetic, Presidents and kings Each lesson is important Believe it or not They taught me almost everything But one thing they forgot I learned how to read a book Learned how to write a letter But nobody taught me sweater but nobody taught me how to fall in love I wonder why did they keep me guessing I wonder why did they skip this most valuable lesson then one day I looked at you and quick as a flash it happened though nobody taught me what to do I fell in love like that with you well I learned how to ride a bike I learned how to drive a golf ball but nobody taught me how to fall in love and I learned how to swim and hike I learned how to do the cha-cha But nobody taught me how to fall in love I wonder why did they keep us guessing I wonder why did they skip this most interesting lesson Then one day I looked at you was all we needed Though nobody taught us We knew what to do I fell in love like I fell in love like 
feels the same way about Barbie in Busy Buzz. There's a number I call every morning. There's a voice that I'm wanting to hear. But the number I call never answers at all. All I get is a buzz, busy buzz, busy buzz in my ear. I always get the busy buzz. When I telephone your house from mine I'm jealous of the busy buzz Cause someone's always on your line There's a house with a tree by the window There's a chair in the house by the tree There's a phone by the chair And a girl sitting there And the girl all alone with her ear To the phone is poor me I always get the busy buzz When I telephone your house from mine I'm jealous of the busy buzz Cause someone's always on your I was sure you were talking to someone So I went to your house just to see You were there all alone In the chair by the phone And my heart jumped for joy Cause the boy you were calling was me Now when I get the busy buzz I'm not jealous like I used to be Cause while I'm busy buzzing you I know you're busy buzzing me Now we don't need a phone any longer You and I have a line of our own Every time the buzzing starts It's the buzzing of our hearts Telling us so much more than we ever said before On the phone Now when I get the busy buzz Jealous like I used to be Cause while I'm busy buzzing you Love the Barbie Sings record album, just three dollars wherever toys are sold. You can tell it's Mattel. It's well. 